Thanks. Hi, everyone. Uh, great to see you and great to be with you today and to be able to share with you from God's Word. My name's Rob and I'm a member of the congregation and uh, my work during the week is to uh, work with the Christian Union Group at the University of Melbourne. And uh, I mentioned last week we're getting ready for our summit conference, our big mid-year conference, and we're thinking about God's Word this year. So uh, what I'm doing over these three weeks is sharing with you a bit about what I've been thinking about, uh, what I should be saying to some of the university students uh, during our week away. And we've just got a three-week kind of thematic series that we're looking at. And last week we, we saw that God's Word brings life, and this week... Uh, God's Word changes us, and next week God's Word guides us. And we're looking at uh, a passage today from the book of Colossians, and I really want to uh, look at some other parts of Colossians as well, and just get some, uh, just give us an impression of Paul's ministry, the way he understands the ministry that he does, and the way that can help us think about our lives and our church and so on uh, as we think ahead. So in the first week, uh, we thought about how God has spoken and that God has spoken to us in human words, words that we can understand, that God has spoken to us through human beings. And the, the word that God speaks is a living and active word. It's an effective word that continues to have its effect in our lives and in the world. And we thought in particular last week about how God's word brings life, that the word of God is a word that brings us to spiritual life, that as God's spirit works in us and as we hear God's words, God brings us to spiritual life. He brings us alive to him so that we are in relationship with God and we know God and we live for God. It's the beginning of an eternal life with God to hear God's words. So we can say that the the way that God works in the world to save people and bring us to spiritual life is a kind of two-handed thing. That God works by his spirit and by his word to bring us to him and bring us to spiritual life. And today we're going to think about how God continues that work in our life once again by his word and by his spirit. I want to focus in particular on God's word today again. In this passage uh, that we heard read, Paul is talking about his ministry. He's writing to a group of people that he does not know personally, by and large, a church that he has not been to, uh, that was started by someone else who had heard Paul's message and believed in Jesus and gone back to his hometown at Colossae and started preaching Jesus and brought together a church there. And so Paul is writing to a church to introduce himself, to introduce his ministry, to tell them what he's on about and how he feels about them and what he's been doing. And Paul speaks about his current situation. He's imprisoned, he's suffering, and he wants them to understand uh, what this suffering is about, why it is that Paul is willing to go through this experience of suffering. Uh, And he reveals that it's because of a commission that he received from God. Have a look at what he says there at the start of that passage. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me. Paul sees himself... As commissioned by God, he understands that he has been given a job to do and that the suffering that he's going through now is part of that that work that he's been given. And here is the commission, uh, the rest of verse 25. The commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. To present the word of God 
in its fullness, or in other translations, to make the word of God fully known. So Paul sees his work, his job as explaining and presenting and teaching the word of God to them. Uh, And not just a part of the word of God, not just a bit of the word of God, but the whole thing to present fully the word of God to everyone that he can. And uh, so Paul is a messenger. He has to bring this message to others. He wants them to hear God's word. And the idea here is that the 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 word of God presents truth to people. It presents a mystery to them. Look at what he says there. To present the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. There was something that was hidden from human beings, something that was known only to God. It was a mystery. And when Paul uses this word mystery, he means something that used to be hidden, that used to be unknown and is now and now can be known. That God has revealed it, that God has spoken about it. And so people can find out the mystery that was hidden previously. And this is the mystery. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery is about Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. A little bit later on in the letter, just in chapter 2, verse 2, uh, he, Paul said, goes on and says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself. The mystery that, was, that has now been revealed is that God was going to save the world through his Messiah, Jesus, that Jesus from Nazareth is God's Messiah, his saviour king, that Jesus is at the very centre of God's plan, that Jesus is God's way of revealing himself to the world, that Jesus is God's way of rescuing people from their sins, that Jesus is God's way of bringing people into relationship with himself, that Jesus is the goal of human history, that it's all about Jesus. This has now been revealed. It was a mystery before but it's now out in the open. And it's revealed as God's word is proclaimed and preached and shared in the world. People get to know about Jesus, the mystery of God. What this means is, I think, that if you are someone who is searching for God, or if you're someone who doesn't know God or is unsure what God is like, if you're someone who has previously found God to be mysterious, a mystery, then here is... The answer to your search here is, according to Paul, the way that you can truly find out about God and know God. The mystery of God has now been revealed. And Paul doesn't say that it's just the mystery is just Christ, but he says specifically the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the end of verse 27 there. That is not just that God has revealed the truth out there to us, but that God has Put this in our hearts, that we have been joined to Jesus, the Messiah, by faith, that we are united with him and that he is in us and we are in him. We are joined together with Jesus forever when we put our faith in him. And so it's not just that he does something for us apart from us, which is true. He died for us on the cross. It was not something that we wanted or that we initiated. He did it for us apart from us. 
But when we put our trust in him, he comes into our lives, he lives in our hearts, he becomes part of who we are. He moves in and takes up residence by the power of his spirit in our lives. So that the, the mystery is not just that God has done something for us apart from us, but that God sends Jesus to be with us, to live in our hearts by faith. And Paul says that this is, gives us hope, hope of sharing in God's glory, that we belong to Jesus and therefore we'll share with Jesus in his glory when the world is put right. So the mystery is not just Christ, but Christ in us, that we now have an unbreakable connection with God through Jesus, his son. So Paul says that he's, his commission is to share God's word so that people can know Christ and so that Christ can dwell in their hearts. And he says that there's a goal of all this for us. All this is headed towards a particular goal. Uh, and this is in verse 28. He says, he proclaims the word of God. And the reason is this, verse 28. Here's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Here is the goal. Uh, the goal of proclaiming the word of God the goal of all this is so that we might be mature in Christ. Paul speaks about this, uh, this goal in a couple of ways in the letter, and I just want to share them with you. The first one is here in um, this passage, and it's the goal of maturity. It's an image of, uh, of growing up. It's an image of growing up. To reach maturity or perfection uh, would be another way of translating it. That is not kind of moral perfection, though I think that's included, but the kind of perfection of when something reaches its end point, when something reaches what it's meant to be. When a human being is born, we don't expect that, it will, that uh, he or she will stay a baby forever, but rather that, that it will grow and mature and reach adulthood. And that is what we desire for human beings naturally. And spiritually speaking, that is the goal as well, that we kind of start out, if you like, as spiritual babies, and we need to grow into spiritual grown-ups to reach the stature of Christ. That is, to become like Jesus, who is the fully mature human being. And we are meant to grow up and become like him. The target, the goal, is maturity in Christ. And to do this, we need the food that gets us grown up. And as Paul has indicated, the, the thing that gets us to that stage of maturity, the way God helps us become mature, is by feeding us. It's the word of God that actually helps us to become spiritually mature. So we've heard the word of God is the thing that brings us to spiritual life. And then the word of God helps us to grow spiritually as well. Now, you may know this, but um, kids don't tend to grow up in a uniform kind of way across the years they have these times where they really grow really rapidly and the funny thing that happens then is that they just eat like crazy now you might have noticed this with babies they are just absolutely obsessed with eating right they just want spiritual milk they want the milk uh, and when you're a new christian that's what you need you need the spiritual milk to help you grow and when you've been a christian longer you need the spiritual solid food the word of god that will make you grow as well and so there's a challenge to be the kind of people who want god's word in our life so much so that we can grow so that we can 
keep growing towards maturity. The second image that Paul uses uh, in the letter is an image about transformation. And it's a similar idea, but with using a slightly different image. This is what he says in chapter 3, verse 10. You've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And here is another image of spiritual change that Paul uses uh, alongside the one about growth towards maturity. It's the idea that you are meant to bear the image of God. Human beings are meant to be in God's image. And yet the image of God in us is not perfect image of God in us has been harmed, it's been obscured in various ways. We're not the perfect image of God that we're meant to be, but Jesus is the perfect image of God. Jesus shows us what God is truly like, and therefore Jesus shows us what we are meant to be like as well. Jesus shows us what it is for a human being to be in the image of God. And so the more we uh, hear God's word, the more we get to know Jesus, the more we're actually enabled to change so that the image of God in us is restored. Uh, I once saw an article about the restoration of the Sistine Chapel in, uh, in Rome, in the Vatican. And the Sistine Chapel where um, Michelangelo painted his extraordinary frescoes, over the years, over the centuries in fact, had been co- become covered in smoke from candles burning in the chapel. Uh, so that you, it, was, it was all very dark and very hard to see what he originally painted. Uh, and then they did this major restoration that took years and years. Uh, and there was extraordinary pictures of them removing the dirt that had gotten there over the years, all the yucky stuff that had gone up from the candles. And the original paintings was marvellously revealed in all its glorious colour. That God is doing something like that in our lives Paul says he's restoring the original image, restoring us to being what we're made to be. And he does that by his word. As as God's word comes into our life and as we respond to it, God restores his image in us. And uh, sometimes this can be very painful and difficult uh, to grow and to change in this way. Because what is being revealed in us by God's word are those things which mar the image of God in us. Uh, Those things which are about uh, moral ugliness, relational decay, all those desires, all those aspects of our character, our direction, our will, which actually go against God, which are selfish or directed towards worshipping other things. All those things are gradually exposed by God's word, and that's a difficult and painful process for us to be restored into the true image of God. Once I was uh, surfing around, on watching television, surfing around, and I landed on a program about the history of cosmetic surgery, uh, a plastic surgery, as it was called. And uh, I don't know how I landed on this, but I started watching it, and it was extraordinary because it turned out that uh, this... Like lots of other technologies, it was during, during wartime that this dramatically developed uh, as a technology and a technique. Uh, and during the Second World War, uh, the, the documentary revealed uh, lots of 
especially uh, aircraft crew, were severely burned uh, when their planes were shot down. And if they managed to escape, uh, many of them still had terrible burns uh, to, their, to their faces, to their bodies, especially to their faces. Uh, and many of them, ha uh, their, you know, they'd had these terrible burns so that their noses had been burned off, their ears had been burned off. It was, it was terrible. It was a terrible situation. And the surgeons uh, working to help them and heal these men, uh, once they'd been, you know, kept alive and made stable, uh, they undertook the project of restoring their faces. And this was the origin, really, of modern, as I understood it, of modern cosmetic surgery. Uh, and they would try to remake for them uh, their eyebrows and their ears and their noses. One of the extraordinary things is that they would grow a new nose for these guys uh, by attaching some skin from their arm to the bridge of their nose, right? And that, so they'd have to be, they'd set them up, you know, in plaster like this um, for months. And gradually the skin would graft from their arm onto their nose and then they would cut it off the arm and fashion a new nose out of skin from the arm. It's the most amazing thing. And so gradually they rebuilt their faces, their, their image, um, to be what we would recognise as human. Um, and it's, this took months and months and years and so on. One of the beautiful things was that many of the nurses from the hospital actually ended up mar marrying these, these patients. They got to know them over the years uh, and, uh, and some of them got married. Anyway, it was, a, it was an extraordinary picture of the Im an image being restored, an image that had been harmed and hurt and scarred, being restored to what it should be. Uh, and I think that's a great picture of what God is doing in our lives, that we are not, in terms of our, our character, in terms of the, per the people that we are, we're not what we're meant to be. But God has a great plan for us and a great goal for us that we be in his image, that we be like him as we become more and more like Jesus. And so God's word is crucial for that process of change because God's word shows us Jesus. God's word shows us godly character. God's word shows us those things that don't belong in our life if we're to be the image of God. God's word shows us what we're meant to be aiming for. And what this means is that uh, we really want God's word to be regularly in our life. And if we're, in, if we're going to change in this way, if we're going to be transformed in this way, that we want it to be in our life as we gather here on a Sunday. We want it to be in our life as we gather together in community groups. We want it to be in our life as we read it individually ourselves. But if it's really going to function in this way, then we need to be prepared for, for it to, at least some of the time, not be comfortable for us to hear. It will only change and transform us if we allow it to say things to us which we don't really want to know. That it's going to make us uncomfortable sometimes to hear God's word because it will challenge us to change. It will highlight for us things in our lives which don't belong there. It will show us the things that we are worshipping apart from the true God. And that will be hard to hear. So I want to encourage you actually to embrace hearing God's word in that way and let, let the word of God be like that for you. That sometimes it will be a comfort to you and an encouragement to you, but sometimes it will be a challenge. And that you'll find being here on Sunday uh, annoying sometimes, frustrating, 
uh, that will really get up your nose that what you hear read or what the preacher says. Uh, or in your community groups, or as you're reading on your own. You may be disturbed, you may be upset. And I want to say, that's actually, that's good. That's a good sign. That if you're comfortable hearing God's word all the time, maybe there's a problem there. Well, more likely, we will avoid hearing it. We'll try to keep God's word out of our life, or we'll try to stop engaging with it very much so that it doesn't change us. One of the things you might ask as you hear this is, well, if, if we're all, according to this, meant to become like Jesus, if we're meant to become mature in Christ or like the image of God who is Jesus, uh, does that mean that um, God is kind of crushing our individuality? Is that what is God's project to make us all kind of clones? Have you ever thought about that? I don't, maybe I'm raising a worry for you now that you've never had. What is God actually doing by making us like Jesus? Well, we need to understand that he's not making us like Jesus in terms of personality. In fact, and it's interesting, that the Bible really tells us almost nothing about Jesus' personality, which I think is a really good thing. Because then we'd be worried about, you know, should I be an introvert or an extrovert or this or that? You know, and we tend to be, in the modern world, obsessed with personality. That's not really the issue. The issue here is an issue of character kind of person that you are, the kind of things that you value, the kind of things that you love, the kind of things that you desire. Those deeper things that go deeper than merely personality. That's what God is working on. To make you more like Jesus is not to make you, you know, wear sandals or grow a beard or stuff like that. To make you more like Jesus is to make you someone who is Someone committed to self-sacrificial giving, self-sacrificial living on behalf of others. That commitment to serve others at your own cost, which is what Jesus shows us real human life is about. That is the way that God is remaking us as we get to know Jesus. So Christian change happens when we hear and respond to God's word. And Christian change has a goal to be mature and conform to the image of Christ. So the challenge, as I've said, is to let God's word change you. To have the kind of humility that lets God contradict you. That lets God challenge you. That lets God shape your life. It means acknowledging that uh, you are not perfect yet and allowing God to move you towards perfection in Christ. One of the things we do every Sunday as we gather, you probably notice, is that we confess our sins together. And uh, that is a great thing to do uh, because it's each of us saying to God together that we need God's help. We need not just forgiveness, but transformation as well. And very often our prayer of confession will finish by asking God to continue to change and transform us. And uh, I think that's very helpful. It's not merely that we need forgiveness, which we do, but also we need change and transformation. And we admit that to one another when we pray that prayer together. I tell God that you are a sinner and you need to change. And I ask God to work in your life as well as my own. We pray that prayer together because we want to be a community of change. 
If this is true that God changes us by his word, then it also means not only that we should be eager hearers of God's word, but that we also should be speaking God's word to one another in order to help each other to change. This is what Paul says later on in the letter, chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. Paul says that we should all be able to teach God's word. That even if there are some people in the congregation who are especially given the task of teaching God's word, that all of us should be able to teach. And all of us should be able to share God's word with wisdom and knowledge with each other. And why would you do that? Well, so that you can help the other people here become more like Jesus, be transformed and grow in that image. And so each of us have that responsibility as well, not just to be changing ourselves, but also encouraging and helping others to change also. And this happens in community groups when people read the word together and they discuss it and they help one another apply it. This happens upstairs in the kids program. God's word is shared with the children up there. It happens throughout our community as we have the opportunity to speak to each other that we want to see each other grow and change. And what, so one of the challenges really is, are we a community that values change? That is really looking for change in our own lives and each other's lives and valuing it, noticing it, celebrating it, testifying to it. Do we love to hear stories about how people have changed? Do we love to hear stories about how people have turned away from their sins? Do we love to hear stories about people trying to live in new ways in response to God's word? Do we keep praying in our prayers together for real deep change in our lives? That would show that we really value change, that we're on board with the program, with God's commission for our lives. I think lastly it's worth saying that when we seek to change uh, our lives and we seek to change together, we're not just doing that in a kind of neutral environment as if you know you're kind of left on your own and God's word comes into your life and just changes you automatically we're surrounded by all kinds of other competing ideas about what a human being should be and what an ideal humanity is and in many ways those want to keep us uh, in the situation that we are uh, where we're not like God And so one of the challenges here is that what God's word is doing is a kind of counter formation in our lives, actually pushing us in in opposite opposite way to the way the world is pushing us very often. That often we are being formed and shaped in all kinds of ways, being shown all kinds of ideals of what a human being can be or should be. And we need to actually very deliberately hear God's word if we're not going to be shaped by those other things. There is a, a spiritual battle going on as we, you seek to change. That it's actually something that, uh, that Satan does not want to happen in your life, does not want you to become more like God, more like Jesus, doesn't want you to be transformed and changed. In fact, uh, wants to give you alternative visions of what you should be and to frustrate your desire for change. And so this is why we should pray, to pray for God's help for the Spirit of God 
to help us as we hear the word of God to become like God. So why don't we pray now and ask for God's help to spiritually change. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have such a great plan for us, such a great goal for our lives. And we long for your transforming work in us to be completed, that we might be restored to your image, that we might be mature in Christ. So we want to pray that your Holy Spirit would please be at work in us, giving us the power to change and the desire to hear your word. And we pray that you might please help us to be a community which loves change. And where together we experience your transforming power. Please open our ears. Please soften our hearts so that we would love to hear your word even when it's hard for us to hear. That your work in our lives might be brought to a wonderful conclusion that we might share in the glory of Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.